Father, Father God, once again we come, Lord, and we just uh, we praise your name, Father, and, and we thank you for this time, Lord. I ask that every heart here, every mind here would be open to your word, Father God, that you would just plant your seed on fertile ground, Father God, that it would take root and it would produce fruit, Lord, some 30, some 60, but Lord, I ask for a hundredfold. And Lord Jesus Christ, I ask that you would just humble me in my flesh, Father God, and let your spirit speak, Lord Jesus. Let your words just come out and, uh, Lord, say whatever it is you need to say to these people tonight. We thank you. We come before you in the name of the mighty King Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, thank you all once again for being here. This is Blueprint, God's Design for Your Life. We are going to be in Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20. And for those of you who are here regularly, I think this is going to be a kind of a nice break, right? We actually skipped these passages and, and uh, talked about the ones right before and right after last week. And so for those of you who haven't been here, Galatians is pretty simple, right? Galatians is what is the gospel, what is the gospel not, and what should the gospel mean in your life? And so for the past like four or five weeks, we have been nailing out the, God, the freedom of the gospel versus the law. The freedom of the gospel versus the law. The freedom of the gospel versus the law. And so last week we were talking about what does it mean to be sons, to actually to be heirs, to be heirs of God in his kingdom. Tonight, however, we're going to talk about weak and beggarly things. Now, I just had some people kind of look up at me kind of sharp because we don't really use language like that, weak and beggarly things. Well, I don't use language either, like that either. I'm still in and out of the Bible, okay? But uh, So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, weak and beggarly things. So first of all, what I would like to do is if you will join me, I'm just going to read straight through this passage, and then we're going to go back and uh, pick it apart verse by verse. But then, verse 8, Indeed, when you did not know God, you serve those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you might be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. 
Let's start off with something. I want to see you raise a hand. Raise your hands if you would like to open up a letter from the Apostle Paul and read him saying that uh, he's having birth pains for you again and, <laughs> and that he has some pretty serious doubts about your faith. That's not a good place to be, right? I wouldn't want that from Pastor Mark. I wouldn't want that from Jacob. I wouldn't want that from Vincent. Definitely wouldn't want that from the Apostle Paul. You know what I really don't want? I don't want that letter from Jesus, okay? But we're going to start back uh, in verse 8, and we're going to talk about what we just read, okay? But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. So let's talk about that for a second. Every person in this room, at one point or another in your life, in fact, you might still be at that point. At one point, there was a time where you did not know the Lord. You didn't know God. There was a time where I didn't know God. Right? And in that time, I don't know the circumstances, but I I know how to speak for pretty much everybody. There was no peace. There was no love, right? There was no freedom. There was no blessing from God. We were all likewise slaves, right? We were slaves to, to the lust of our flesh, slaves to, to women, slaves to, to, to men, slaves to drugs, to alcohol, right? To, to the public opinion about you, whatever it might be, right? We were slaves, to fear, to anger, to doubt. And we served every false idol that Satan could set up in our heart. And for a lot of us, it was probably you. It was probably yourself, right? But look at this, verse 9. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, How is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? (laughs) Now, that's a good statement. You know God. In fact, God knows you. Let me see a raise of hands here. If you are confident without a doubt that you know, that you can really say that, and don't raise your hand just because. Nobody's going to look at you, right? If you know the living God, and you are confident he knows you. I want to just raise your hand right now. Right? He says, you know God. God knows you. How is it then if we know God, if we are known by God, how is it that we so easily turn back to the weak and the beggarly things of our former life? How is it that as a church, we have such little faith? You know, and I'm speaking about myself at times. I don't exclude myself, okay? Anything I tell you, if you think it's harsh, you know what? I'm going to ask you to suck it up because I get to hear it twice, (laughs) right? I get to get it once from God, and then I got to preach it again and hear it come back in my ears. So uh, I don't exclude myself from that. In fact, Pastor Mark and I have talked a lot about faith recently. How is it that as a church we have such little faith? I think a lot about Jesus' promises. Anything you say, anything you ask in my name, I will do it for you. Anything you ask, believing that you have received, you will receive. 
you know, I'm missing a couple books in the Old Testament, but for the most part, I've read the whole Bible. And I've only found one if, and, or but to that promise. In James, it says, you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you can spend it on your, on your flesh. That's it. That's the only if, and, or but I saw. Other than that, Jesus says, you ask, you believe, you will receive. In Mark, uh, I believe chapter 16, it says, all who believe, these things will follow them. They will cast out demons. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. They will speak in new tongues, right? doesn't mean you have to do all those things. How is it that we, church, have such little faith? You know, I was, I was at Shriner Monday, and dude, it just blows my mind, right? So I'm talking to this guy, and in fact, uh, Jacob and I were having a, a, a Bible study with him at Shriner during the summer, and uh, he claimed to be a Christian. I would, I would uh, I'm not a judge, right? We're not a judge, but I'm pretty confident he's probably not. And uh, <laughs> um, kind of lost contact with the guy. And uh, Monday, he showed up to this worship group, and afterwards, he'd, he had said that he had torn his rotator cuff, right? And we did some weird little popcorn prayer thing, whatever he said one word. I don't really know what was going on, but it was all right. God knows, I guess. And, uh, but, you know, Pastor Mark's wife, her, her rotator cuff was torn. She had surgery scheduled, and God healed her on the spot one Sunday, and she canceled surgery. And so I, I went up to the guy, and I asked him, I said, hey, Matt, let me, can I pray for your shoulder, man? Just, you know, everybody's moving. I just want to pray for your shoulder. He's like, yes, Darren, I'll let you, I'll let you pray for my shoulder. Like he was doing me a favor, you know. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was kind of weird, but we prayed. And I said, why don't you just move your shoulder, man? Just move your shoulder. And before he even moved it, oh, no, it still hurts. You know, it's swollen and things. And I'm like, and I asked him, I said, let me ask you something. Do you really believe that God can heal you? He says, yes, Darren, I believe God can heal me. But, you know, I'm really a man of science. You know what that answer means? No. No, I don't. I, I, I don't believe that. That's what, if anybody ever tells you that, they're, they're telling you no. Okay? And uh, it just blew me away, man. And so I asked to pray for him again, and reluctantly he let me. And then before, I said amen, and before I could even say anything, he just walks off. So I let him go. You know, I'm still praying for him. I'm still asking that God, you know, will speak healing there, despite his faith, my faith, anybody's faith. You know, I heard a, a Pentecostal preacher from Pakistan told me God heals in two ways, one by faith and one by grace. And, hey, that's, that sounds pretty much right to me, you know, uh, and I'll take grace. But how is it, church, if we say we know God and we're known by God, if we have these prayers, how is it that we're not praying for each other? You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. Ceasing. You know, the Bible says that anything you're going through, any trial, tribulation, struggle, your brothers and sisters around the world are going through the same thing. You know, one of my favorite teachings, Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy uh, kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he goes on, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us, right? Deliver us. For Jesus is saying, you're not praying for yourself. You're praying for you and your brothers and your sisters and the whole church. How are we not praying for each other? How are we not laying hands on the sick, praying, if nothing else, hoping that the grace of God will heal them? And I know why. 
Because there's a lot of times I have, and there's a lot of times I don't. And you know what happens the times I don't? Because I don't have enough faith to do it. And I can say I believe because I do believe. But if the doubt of what if, what will they think, those things get in the way, I'm going to chop it up to no faith. And I'm talking about me. Right? What do we do in church? How is it that we're not opening up our homes to each other? I'm not even talking about picking people off the street. I'm talking about your brothers and sisters having time to fellowship, to break bread. You know, Jesus, we break bread and we drink some juice and we go in a line and it's great. I love it. It says before dinner, he broke bread. After dinner, he lifted the cup. In Acts 2, we did this, the seven commands of Christ. They were going house to house to house, breaking bread, right? Encouraging each other, lifting each other up in the name of Jesus. And what happens? What happened, Sergio? You know, the Lord added to the church daily, daily. How is it, church? that we're still not sharing our faith with the lost and giving what we have to those in need. Here's a question. If we say we know a God who put the mountains in place, who literally set the, the limits for the sea, right, who breathed out stars, I wasn't going to use that one because I use it all the time, but it's still good, right? He did. He literally breathed out the heavens and earth. He spoke, right? If we know that God... How is it we look like and act like the rest of the world? Man, no wonder they don't believe us, right? How is it that we're not hungry for the living God? You see, the people here that he's talking about, he's talking about these people going back to eating and drinking to the law, right? Because they would rather be joined back to the Jews into bondage than to deal with a little bit of discomfort and strife between these people, to have to deal of, of what, what they might think or how much trouble it's going to cause them. They'd rather just go back to bondage. That's crazy, man. It's, there are some things, guys, that I, when I hear the words come out of my mouth, when I read this stuff, I'm like, that's crazy. And then I r- realize how so many of these things that blow our minds we're doing in different ways. And then I don't even got a word for how crazy that is, right? Because we have examples, right? Let, let the people who messed up mess up, <laughs> right? We should be, you know, we're not perfect, but I wish. I wish we, that'd be nice. Who here would like to just be perfect and call this done? We could all just go home, right? Next time I'll just bring brownies. We'll all talk about how perfect we are, and it'll be good, man. Verses 10 and 11, Okay. He's talking again to these Jew, these, uh, the, the Galatians who are, are following these Jewish men who have come down. And he says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. Now listen to this. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored in vain. Let me ask you something, guys. What weak and beggarly things have you fallen into? What are they? You don't got to tell me. You can if you want, I guess, but you don't have to, right? You know, we got, there are people who stand in church, and they cry out, Lord, Lord, and they raise their hands. But they don't trust them to simply provide for their basic needs, 
right? They don't trust him to simply fulfill his promises. Who here knows that we have a God who fulfills his promises? We're so ready to trade in the truth of God for weak and beggarly things of this world, the things that God has already freed us from. Isn't that crazy? You know, I've been to jail. I don't know, you know, not, so I'm not proud of that, but I've been to jail, right? I'll tell you one thing. When I got released, it's been six years. I have yet to ever once consider, you know, maybe I should have went back into that jail cell. Good call, right? I appreciate that. See, I've got some sort of wisdom at least, right? Got my back, dog. I like that, okay? <laughs> uh, anyways, <coughs> we're so ready to trade in the freedom of God for weak and beggarly things. You know, we're not even, mo- I say we, man. Um, I'm talking, I'm really talking about the church as a whole. It may be you, maybe me. I'm talking about the church as a whole. You know, we've talked about this before. We've got churches with hundreds of people in it. And it looks amazing to be in those churches and to hear the music and to see the praise. See the pastor all in his nice suit, you know, like Sergio wears, looking good. <laughs> and then you realize that about five people out of that 500 are doing something for the Lord. And the rest are showing up and going home and showing up and going home. Even in our own churches here in town, you know, um, that's just the way it is. That's, it's, it seems to be a, uh, <laughs> it's just the way it is, right? But we're not even willing to share Jesus and save a soul from the pit of hell because it might, it, I mean, it might make you look funny. Someone might tell you no. I mean, that, I don't know if that sounds kind of mean, but really <laughs> that's what it boils down to, right? Because when I don't do it, it's because of a stupid thought like that. I wish I could give some grand reason and explanation. Oh, the Satan came against me. And you know what he did? <laughs> he did. But it was, a, it was a thought that stupid. That stopped me from sharing the words of life with somebody who needed it. Isn't that crazy? What a weak and barely thing, man. I'll tell you what. But, you know, I think... Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe we give Satan too much credit. Maybe it's ourselves that are weak and beggarly. You know, guys, we got we to gotta hunger for God. Maybe some of you know what that means. Maybe, you, maybe some of you don't. Regardless, we got to hunger for God, right? We need to hunger for God rather than Instagram hearts and Facebook lights, okay? And I'll take an Instagram heart. It's whatever, right? But I'm not on it that much. That's not that big of a deal. But you know what? On the other hand, we got the other side, right? We've got Christians so blessed and so filled from God. I don't even need to hear the word anymore. I mean, they're good. They don't need to pray for themselves. They don't need to be obedient praying for others because they're good. They hear the scriptures, and instead of longing for God to speak new wisdom, they think, oh, that verse... Oh, I've already read that. You know what? I did that once. How many, have, has anybody in this room ever seen me angry? Please raise a hand. Stephen might have, actually. I don't know. Ariana might have. It's been a long time. I don't particularly get angry, okay? 
So I'm at, I'm at Ingram ISD. I'm still working as a bus driver and a mechanic. 20-year-old bus driver from the school I came from. Not glamorous, right? Great job. I loved it, but not glamorous. And I had the privilege of, of being with my buddy Wade Sparkman for 15 months. And we were listening to pastors every day on the radio for like eight hours a day, Monday through Friday. And I'm coming into the shop, and Wade's like, man, you got to hear this guy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's he talking about? He's like, anger. I'm like, I don't need to hear that. He's like, no, no, really. I said, dude, come on, bro. Like, I'm the last person on earth that's got to worry about an anger issue, okay? I walk out the door, around the corner, and here's my boss, the most mellow, chill-toned guy you've ever met in your life, okay? He comes saying something, jingling keys. I'm like, no, I got my keys. And he says it again. I said, no, I got my key. And then he just exploded. I'm not talking to you, blah, blah. And it caught me so off guard because I've never, I snapped and was so angry that I had to turn, I, I couldn't say a word. I had to turn around and go the other direction. But hey, I didn't need to hear that message. Man, some of us are too full. We need to learn how to hunger again. I see cr Christians with no patience, with no gentleness, with no fear of God, with no kindness, with no overwhelming joy, and no shining hope. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's walking in the Spirit. Same people are slow to forgive, easily angered. Their Facebook and Netflix is open more than their Bible. And they wonder why they don't, quote unquote, feel God. Or why they don't have peace in their situations. You know, and it's funny too, because a lot of times, you know, the same ones are the ones criticizing others' Christianity. But I never hear them coming and repenting for their own. Crazy. What a weak and beggarly way to live, man. And uh, I know because... You know, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you my story. You know, I think we all do a little bit of this, right? If you don't, I need to hang out with you more. I'm straight up, right? Yeah, if you're doing this, like, great with us. No, we, do, we all do a little bit, a little bit of this, right? And I said, I've had some real high moments with God, especially in the last couple of years. I've had, I mean, a month and a half straight where it was just devotion, devotion, praising God, just I've never felt literally like him taking all of the fruits of the Spirit and just pouring a cup into my heart every day, nonstop for like a month and a half. I've felt that, and it's been amazing. And I know how easy, it's just seeking God. James 4, draw close to God, and he'll draw near to you, right? And then I've been in times like I just came out of, where, yeah, I pray, right? I got my little daily verse, you know, I ch try and check off at least my Matthew plan, right, on my, my Bible gateway. That's it. That's it. I'm not really seeking God. I'm not really hungering for God. I trust him. But that simple thing, that simple freedom, that simple blessing and fullness of his spirit, I traded it. I traded it. For what? Some more Facebook time? Elder Scrolls Online? I just started playing that, by the way. It's pretty good, but I need to stop. For what? Because God, I know God's not going to forsake me. That's a good reason to, to forsake him. That's crazy. Right? And you know what I did last night? 
I was at, I was, uh, I heard Jacob speaking, and it was pretty funny. It's like a lot of the things, even some of the things that he said, are kind of things that I've that I say. In fact, that's why Stephen invited me up there because he said, "Hey, man, he approached me kind of the same way you approach people." And I'm like, "Okay," but um, uh, as I'm hearing him preach, it's like I'm hearing the old lessons that I preached, you know, in, in First Corinthians and the things we've been talking about for the last year just come back into my ear. Boom. And just something about hearing it from someone else. Man, God just put a revival in my heart. I don't know what it is. And uh, I went home and I did something crazy. Y'all want to hear about this? Did something just, what's the word I'm looking for? No, not insane. Come on, give me something better. Radical. That, see, man, how is it the Mexican with tattoos got better English than y'all do? I did something radical, right? You know what I did? I went and sat in a corner of my house in a really fuzzy chair that we just, that actually Courtney's sister is really nice. And I opened up the word of God. Not on my phone, which is good. I'm not, I'm not knocking the phone. I use it all the time. But there's something a little different when you just have the word in your hand. And I just started reading. And guess what? I only read one psalm. And then I went back and read it again section by second section and let God speak to me and I prayed for all my brothers and sisters and I just I just sought God and I asked for faith and I asked for for revival you know and I just asked for all these things and uh and man I just I don't even know I don't even know what I'm trying to tell you it was good see look I'm watering up I don't even know why I'm big baby but uh to the point where I was trying to go to sleep and I literally couldn't because there was praise music playing in my head and I would have, okay, I got to go to sleep. And I'd push it out, and then another song popped up. And then I'd push it out, and, then, and I did that for like an hour and a half. And which I guess is a good problem to have, right? If we all had that problem, we'd be, we'd be rocking and rolling. But you know what? Paul saw that same thing. And he was worried. He thought he was laboring in vain. And I'll tell you what, as a pastor, that is the worst fear you could have. The worst, unless you're Sergio, then it's, you might not get your tortillas. <laughs> but, uh, nah, we've been messing with Sergio for a while. I love, I love this guy. He's a, he's, a, he's a great brother in the Lord, a good minister. If you don't know him, you need to get to know him. Um, verses 12 through 16, right? Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity I preached the gospel to you at first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I, am, I bear you witness that, uh, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You see, Paul didn't come to these people for praise. He didn't come above the others right? He was as the people. He came literally weak, uh, weak and in sickness. But by the gospel, which is the power of God, they received life, and they received him even as Jesus himself. You know, he says in 1 Corinthians, when I came to you, I didn't can't come with, with uh, words of wisdom and elegant speech, but in fear and trembling, the power of God may be manifest. That's how Paul came to these people, weak, right? And not only did they deal with him, but apparently they helped him in his sickness. They even said, man, we would have given you our eyes if we could have. 
And yet to these same people, he's now having to look at them and say, have I become your enemy? Have I become your enemy? But you know what's interesting about Paul? You know what I love about Paul? Paul was willing to be someone's enemy for the truth. He was. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 7. I didn't write it down again, so I'm going to read off the board with y'all guys. Should be the next one. It's already on the list, Stephen. I did the hard work for you. You can thank me later. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Or actually, I think it might have been verses 6 through 7. All right, here we go. Your glorying is not good. Now check this. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Next verse. Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Now he's talking to the church. A little bit of leaven, a little bit of unrepentant sin leavens the whole lump. Purge it out. But you know, I challenge you that he's also talking to us individually. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. I don't care who wrote it. Purge out the leaven in your life. Right? Purge it, man. Throw it out. Throw it out the door. Purge out the old ways, those weak and beggarly ways that you came from. Don't go back there. Pastor Jacob was saying it last night. Remember the blessings. Remember the works of God that he's already done in your life. Remember like I've been doing, the fullness that I've had in his presence, right? Fast, pray, learn to deny yourself. And just start throwing the, you know what, it might be TV for you. Maybe it's not. We got rid of TV. We got Netflix for the kids. But we, we just got rid of it. I've never once regretted that decision. I'm not telling you you need to do that. It's just an idea, Right? Maybe you need to get off Facebook for a while. Maybe you need to throw out the alcohol, the cigarettes, the weed, the drugs. Remove yourself from those circles, right? Those circles that are only going to produce more corruption in your life. Quit allowing Satan back into your, into your mind, into your heart. Don't even let him in your house. I had some people living with me. I had a grown man living with me, older than me. And I had to have a conversation with this man and tell him, you know, I know you're a grown man, but you're not going to be sleeping with women in this house. You're not going to be doing these things in this house. You claim to be a Christian. We're one body. And that affects the whole body. That's one thing the Israelites had right. They understood that sin affected the whole body. Man, get rid of it. Right? <clears throat> All right, we're getting to the end here, guys. I know this is going long. Because guess what, guys? The world is going to fight for your affection, and it's already been doing it. Satan will promise the end of the earth to take your heart from the Lord. That's his only goal. And a lot of times, <laughs> anybody here know who Esau is? Let me see a hand, show of hands. Who knows who Esau is? All right. Esau, man, that guy, he was hairier than I am, apparently, you know. Someone put goat hair on their arm and passed for his brother. It's crazy. But uh, 
This guy was so cheap. Check this. This guy was so cheap. He sold his entire birthright for what? A bowl, a bowl of soup, man. Like some menudo. I don't even know. This dude was so cheap. He sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. You know what's crazy for that? We sell the blessings of God for less. We sell the blessings of God in our life for things we can't even eat. Man, we got to stop that. Satan wants to be your friends. If any of you are looking for a friend, I don't recommend him. But he is willing at all times to be your friend. He is so eager to come into your life so he can still kill and destroy everything you got. Anybody ever watch the Mafia movie? Oh, no, it's all right, man. Let's just go back here. And the bah! <laughs> he was just patting the guy on the back. That's Satan as your, as your best friend. And he's willing. He's ready. But you know what? Jesus, Jesus the Christ, he gave his life for you. He didn't just pat you on the back. He took the bullet himself, right? Hebrews 12 says that because of Jesus, our spirits have been made perfect before God. You know what? Jesus has called you his friend. Not just his friend, but a son and a daughter of God. Do you know that? Do you know that? You've been called a son and a daughter of God. Not just a son and a daughter of God, but an heir, an heir to an eternal kingdom. And guess what? And all the blessing that comes with it now. I'm not saying that if you give me $39, you're going to get it 49 back. But God blesses his people. He's a good father. He's a good father. You know, I, I, did, a, I did a Father's Day message for Father's Day in San Antonio. And I spent some time looking in the Bible for a good father. You know what I realized? There wasn't one. There's only one good father. His name is is Yahweh. He came as Jesus the Christ, the living word. And he died for you, right? We're going to finish this up, verses 17 through 20. They, he's talking about the Jewish leaders. I'm talking to you about the world, the people around you. They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you. Why? That then you'll be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in what, guys? In a good thing, always. No one is good but the Lord God himself. To be zealous for a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Guys, throw out the old leaven. Whatever it is, whatever those weak and bitterly, uh, beggarly things that you're holding on to in your life, the things that you're going back to in your life, whatever those are, right? Man, tonight's that night to break that chain. For me, all it took was acknowledging it, but, because I had already acknowledged it, to repent, to move a different direction. I didn't go to bed. I got in the word. I cried out to the Lord. And I didn't just pray a prayer. No, 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 no. I really spoke to him. That's all it took for him to give me a new heart. That's all it takes for you guys. Get rid of those things. Seek the Lord. Hunger and thirst for him. You will be filled. Let's not give our pastors, our brothers, right, the Apostle Paul, Jesus, let's not give others reason to doubt. 
Let's not give our brothers room to be troubled over us. You know, Jacob was talking last night that when someone is spiritually fed, they can tell when others aren't. And that's crazy. Like, I don't know, I don't know who, if I've talked to anybody about that, but that's true. Because a lot of the times, the brothers in my life, I might not even see them for two weeks. And I, I, just, God, I just know where they are spiritually. God just, he just, he just tells me. It's crazy. I don't, but that's so true. Let's not give each other reason to be burdened with that, to be, to be troubled. Rather, seek to be so filled. What was that word? Seek. That's something you got to do. I can't do that for you. Chuck can't do that for you. Pastor Mark can't do that for you. Sergio can't do that for you. Vincent can do that for you, but you got to have a lot of money. <laughs> seek to be so filled with God's spirit that others see your life. And just by seeing your life, they're convicted to know God like you do. That's what we should long for. It's not impossible. Make tonight the night, guys. Make tonight the night that we turn away from the distractions and we really become a friend to Jesus once again. That we become a friend to our neighbors in a way where they, they see something different in us. Right? Let's walk away from those things. Jesus already, Jesus already called that done. Give our, give our, let's give our hearts to the Lord, guys. Father God, I thank you for these people, Lord, and I thank you for this message tonight, Lord. And uh, Father, I just long for myself to know you more, Lord, to have greater faith, Lord, to see your kingdom come in my life and the lives of those around me. Father God, to have revival. Lord, I long to, to be a part of a church where the people are hungry to see souls come into the kingdom. I long to be part of a church where brothers step, step up and bring messages, where they bring dreams that God has given them, where they, where they speak boldly on your behalf, Lord. And Father God, I, sp I just ask that you bless everyone in here tonight, Lord. I ask that, that we would all be like uh, the Marys outside your tomb with fear and great joy, Lord Jesus, at your name, at the works that you've done. And Lord, I ask that this would be a seed planted in their heart and that we would all be transformed together, Lord, as one body, and Lord, anybody who doesn't know you here tonight, who's heard these words and says, you know what, I want something like that. I want a living God in my life to be my friend, to be my father, and to give me peace. You can have that tonight because Jesus paid that penalty. I don't care what you've done. He was God in flesh, and he was worth more than any sin you could have ever done, and he paid that on the cross. And all you have to do is cry out and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. I want to give you everything. And his promise is you are forgiven, you are cleansed, and you are a new creation. So, Lord, I thank you once again, and I ask that you bring us back here safely next week. In the name of Jesus, amen.